Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Lots to go over this evening. Uh, we're going to have uh, General Flynn's lawyer, Counsel Powell, on the program in the final hour. But I want to touch on this issue because that's, you know, Russia, Russia. Ladies and gentlemen, the Obama-Biden administration committed the greatest scandal in American political history. And neither Biden nor Obama have been held to account, not by the media or anybody else. I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can, because it can get complicated. Uh, I think the uh, Washington Examiner, the New York Post have done a good job, but let me go to the New York Post. Bruce Golding, quote, Trump was right, unquote. An FBI employee declared shortly after the then-president-elect suggested that officials delayed a White House transition briefing on Russian meddling in 2016 election because they needed time, quote, to build a case, unquote. The bombshell admission is contained in a text message exchange that took place on January 5, 2017, it was among several the lawyers for former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn said were turned over to them late Thursday night. During the conversation on the FBI's link, link messaging system, unidentified employees discussed a briefing that day of then-President Barack Obama, according to the Friday court filing. What's the word on how O's briefing went, one FBI worker asked. Don't know, but people here are scrambling for info to support certain things, and it's a madhouse, another wrote. 
The next message was the one-word response, Jesus, followed by an apparent reference to a Trump tweet from two days earlier. Quote, Trump, Trump was right, still not put together. Why do we do this to ourselves? What is wrong with these people, an FBI employee wrote. In his January 3, 2017 tweet, Trump wrote, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is much bigger than Watergate ever was. Much bigger. Because the press are actually involved in this. In his January 3, 2017 tweet, Trump wrote, quote, the intelligence briefing on so-called Russian hacking was delayed until Friday. Perhaps more time needed to build case. Very strange, unquote. You see, Donald Trump is instinctively right on. They try and paint him as a hothead, as uh, so forth. He is right on. He gets it. He, he, he senses things right. The identities of the FBI employees involved in the conversation are blacked out in the district court, federal court filing. It's not clear how many took part or what their roles were at the Bureau. But five days later, court papers say the same employees had another text message exchange in which one revealed how, quote, we all went and purchased professional liability insurance. All the analysts, too, another asked? Yep, was the reply. A subsequent message added, all the folks at the agency as well. Because if this ever got out, they figured they would be sued, at least civilly. This is shocking. Shocking on top of all the other shocking stuff. Flynn's lawyers included the conversations in a filing to support dismissal of the case against the retired U.S. Army general. Now, this is amazing that this judge, this fraud, and the fraudulent D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, there's a court that the uh, Obama and Reid team packed. Absolutely outrageous. And, of course, this information is released at the direction of the Attorney General, but the FBI sat on this, and you got to ask, what the hell's going on with this director, Christopher Wray? And if the president is reelected, he needs to go. And then on top of this, of course, you have the Mueller prosecutors, all of whom cleaned their cell phone devices, their government phones, cleaned them. And they all lied about how they did, well, you know, we did the password, I didn't know that, I did it 14 times, and that kills, liars, liars, cover up. Imagine if we could have the information on those cell phones, the texts, the emails, between them and reporters, just imagine. The scandal, not of the century, of every century that this country's been in existence. This president has been horribly victimized. Horribly. And then they dare to investigate him for Russia collusion. And what else did we learn? What else have we learned? We learned that the FBI knew. They knew that the source for the Steele dossier, paid for by Hillary Clinton and the DNC, was a Russian spy. They knew who the source was. They knew that the source was not only to be disbelieved, but part of the enemy. 
And they still used the dossier with the FISA court. They knew it was a lie. Earlier I explained to you under oath, every single senior Obama administration official who testified to the House Intelligence Committee under oath and in secret all said, every single one to a man and woman, that there was no Russian collusion. Your president was investigated for no reason whatsoever other than to attempt to destroy him. Let me tell you, let me give you the bottom line here, because nobody else will. They wanted to set him up on perjury. They wanted to set him up on obstruction because there was no crime. They wanted to trick him. Trick him. They conduct these long investigations where there were no predicates, where they concocted information. And they were hoping that they would get an interview from our president. And then our president might forget what he said the week before, the year before. Oh, we got him now. We got him now. He lied under oath. Charge him with false statements. Charge him with, with perjury or whatever. Or at least make the allegation as a basis for impeachment. As set up by the Democrat Party, working with Obama-Biden, working with Democrats... In the FBI and Democrat prosecutors to go after the President of the United States. I was the first to call this a silent coup. That's exactly what it's been a silent coup, a coup d'etat. That's what it's been. And now today, as the media for the most part ignore this, oh, we've already gone over this, you know how they dismiss it. Now there's claiming he's the dictator. He's the one that won't accept a peaceful transition to power. He's the problem. He's the dictator. He's Hitler. We're going to talk to Sidney Powell in the last hour of the program. But this has, to the best of my knowledge, never occurred in American history. And the reason is this, because typically there'll be somebody in the opposition party who will stand up. Typically there'll be somebody in the FBI or some federal prosecutor who will stand up. Where are the whistleblowers here? There aren't any. This is a cabal. We know about the January 5th meeting. In 2017, I have said from day one, that day one, when I started breaking this based on public information, based on published reports, I could see leaks coming out of the FBI. Remember? I'm not going to play it for you again. Early March 2017, three and a half years ago, I said Obama had to know. The FBI is involved, the FISA court's involved, intelligence agencies are involved. He could read information in the newspaper. He got a daily briefing, an intelligence briefing. He had to know. Big chunks of this, he had to know. I didn't know about the January 5, 2017 meeting, now we know about it. What else do we know? Joe Biden tried to use the Logan Act as justification for these investigations. 
Now he plays rope-a-dope, whether it's his son Hunter or whatever. And the media circle the wagons, the Praetorian Guard media, the national media, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, absolutely useless, constipated news network, MSLSD, frauds. Frauds who hate this country, who cheer on rioters and looters and arsonists. Who call our president Hitler, who despise you. They supported this effort by the Obama administration, by the Hillary Clinton campaign, by the DNC. They're the ones that used the Russians, a Russian spy, against the Trump campaign and Donald Trump. They're the ones obstructing justice by cleaning their phones. They're the ones obstructing justice by lying to the FISA court. They're the ones obstructing justice by sitting on evidence. Right up to today. And this poor president, Donald Trump, he's the victim. We're the victim, the American people. The Democrat Party, the Hillary campaign, the Obama-Biden administration and the media. That's the box. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I'm not done. I'm not done. This broke today. New York Post, Emily Jacobs. An FBI official who worked on former special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election believes some investigators had a, quote, get Trump, unquote, attitude, and the probe was a, quote, dead end, unquote, according to a report. FBI agent William Barnett slammed the Trump-Russia collusion inquiry as opaque, in other words, not transparent, and described it as having little detail concerning specific criminal events during an interview last week at the Justice Department, according to Fox News. The network had tamed a 302, these are FBI notes, an FBI interview memo done as part of an investigation in which the Barrett described himself to U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Missouri, Jeffrey Jensen, as taking serious issue with the, quote, predication, unquote, that is the basis, of the investigation into the then National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. 
Barnett told Jensen he believed the predication in the Flint's probe was not great, quote-unquote, because, quote, it was not clear what the persons opening the case wanted to look for or at. Six weeks into the investigation, Barnett was, quote, still unsure of the basis of the investigation concerning Russia and the Trump campaign working together without a specific criminal allegation. How many times did we say that? What crime are they investigating? Why did they appoint a special counsel? And now this FBI agent who was in the Mueller team says some of them were out to get the president. That there was no basis to investigate Flynn. The FBI agent told investigators, he then began asking others in the Bureau, what is the end game in the Flynn investigation? After suggesting they interview the incoming National Security Advisor, quote, and the case be closed unless derogatory information was uh, obtained, unquote, he claimed he was cautioned against doing so over concerns. It would alert Flynn as to the investigation. Now, this FBI agent Barnett disagreed, according to the 302, telling investigators he believed Flynn's position as an incoming Trump administration official, quote, offered an opportunity for the FBI to conduct the interview without alerting any suspicion, and Flynn would see such an interview as being standard procedure. The FBI agent believed that then-Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe was the one running the show. Do you want to know why Stroke and McCabe and, uh, and Comey and others are on TV and some of them are commentators? Because they were leaking to the media. Weissman leaking. Leaking. Despite his concerns, the investigation was problematic and could result in an inspector general investigation. He continued the work he was ordered to do. And it goes on. Former Justice Department official Andrew Weissman, who has since endorsed Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden, said the former special counsel absolutely let the American people down by not going harder on President Trump. I would phrase it as just Mueller. I would say the office, there are a lot of things we did well and a lot of things we could have done better to be diplomatic about it. This guy is a hitman. This guy would have done very, very well as a Stalin counsel. Andrew Weissman... You are a despicable human being. Despicable human being. How you use your politics to destroy people and try to take down a president of the United States. And he wasn't alone. Now, where's Barack Obama? Where's Joe Biden? Well, I didn't know anything. And nobody told me anything. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com. 
for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I want to save you some money. I want to save you a lot of money. Now, there's a lot to get to here. The, uh, the cho- choice for the Supreme Court. Uh, the word out there is that it's Amy Coney Barrett. If it is, that should be no surprise. She really was uh, a runner-up in the Brett Kavanaugh case. Actually, she was the one I preferred, if you recall. And to recall what I told you yesterday, uh, thanks to uh, the Washington Examiner's Quinn Hillier, um, in a letter that was sent out by the left, by a former Harry Reid staffer, by Patriotic Millionaires, a hardcore left-wing group, uh, that they want to uh, turn this into a circus, a brutal circus. I believe it'll backfire. But again, before we jump into that, that's going to be covered all weekend, over and over and over and over again. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you blue-collar workers out there, men and women on assembly lines, smokestack industries, men and women who get dirt under your fingernails. Many of you are union members. Some of you are not union members. I want to talk to all of you folks who Joe Biden's trying to appeal to. He's a liar. He's going to massively increase your taxes. He's going to massively increase the taxes of your employer, which means your employer is going to lay people off, maybe even you. It's going to make it extremely difficult to compete with foreign manufacturers when he massively increases taxes. And I'm talking about massively. He wants to massively increase the individual income tax, the corporate income tax. He wants to massively, and that's for small businesses too. He wants to massively increase the capital gains tax, which means the capital that's necessary for businesses to expand, it's not going to be there. And he wants to massively lower, or significantly lower, the inherited tax limit to $3.5 million. So that means if you're a modest income, but you're a farmer or you're a rancher, or you have a small business, and you pass away and you try and turn it over to your kids, the value of that property, the value of that business, let's say it's 6 or $7 million, even though net income is fifty, sixty, dollars $100,000, $200,000, Your kids and grandkids are going to have to sell that business, sell that farm, sell that ranch that you broke your ass to produce to pay federal taxes. And what's the rate? 50 to 55%. And you already paid your taxes. Why? Because they call that taxing the rich, even though you're not rich. Even though you're not rich. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have massive stagnation, significant unemployment across the board. I don't care what race you are. It's going to be a disaster. We've seen this before. But Joe Biden fancies himself as a man of the working people. This is a guy who spent his entire life in Washington, D.C. as a lawyer and a politician. How he gets this this, this, this characterization as the working man senator, I'll never know. 
But there's a breaking piece at Breitbart.com by my buddy Joe Pollack. And I want you to listen to this. Because Joe Biden, when it came time to get a vaccine for the swine flu, he he couldn't do it. And when it comes to creating manufacturing jobs, he couldn't do it. Former Vice President Joe Biden promised earlier this month that his climate change policies, that's another one. That's another one. A war on capitalism will bring new jobs. Good paying union jobs, he says. He's made and broken such promises before. (coughs) Excuse me. In 2009, Biden promised that $529 million, please listen, a new Department of Energy loan guarantees to Fisker Automotive to produce electric cars in Delaware would provide, quote, billions of dollars in good new jobs, unquote. Four years later, Fisker filed for bankruptcy without producing a single car in the United States. Breitbart News reported at the time Fisker was granted the loan guarantees to produce a hybrid sports car called the Karma for the luxury auto market with a price tag back then of $103,000. High-profile political figures lobbied for the deal. Fisker filed for bankruptcy, failed in 2013. Taxpayers lost $139 million on the venture. So along with failed solar panel manufacturer Solyndra, Fisker was one of the highest-profile failures of the stimulus, which Biden was in charge of, which is touted on the campaign trail as proof of his ability to handle America's economic recovery. Biden admitted pushing for Fisker to build its new karma plant in his home state of Delaware. Wall Street Journal reported at the time, quote, a spokeswoman for Mr. Biden said that he had made no direct appeals to the Department of Energy, on Fisker's behalf before the loan was approved, though he did talk to the company several times afterward to put in a plug for his home state. The Delaware site, an old GM plant, was located across the continent from Fisker's corporate headquarters in South Carolina. After the left-wing Nation magazine later noted the new Fisker facility was less than five miles from Joe Biden's Delaware home, Biden is such a crook. Such a crook. So Fisker produced exactly zero cars in the United States. Instead, it produced its first cars in Finland. In addition to the losses for the federal taxpayer, Delaware had committed over $20 million to the deal by the time the company filed for bankruptcy in 2013. And Biden learned nothing from the Fisker fiasco. In his climate speech recently, he promised once again to produce and promote Electric vehicles saying he would deliver more than a million new jobs in the American auto industry. He's made promises like this before. He's an incompetent fool and a liar. That's the Joe Biden we know. What else do we know about Joe Biden? Well, our friends at Post Millennial came up with a, a video of uh, Joe Biden in 2016 addressed to troops. At the Al-Darfra Air Base. Now you may think this is funny. You may think this is a joke. Doesn't sound funny to me. Cut 16, go. I have incredibly good judgment. One, I married Jill. 
And two, I appointed Johnson to the Academy. I just want you to know that. Just clap for that, you stupid bastards. Clap for that, you stupid bastards. Does that sound funny to you, Mr. Producer? And I'm sure the media will jump all over this. And guess what? Not an anonymous source. There's Joe's big mouth. Joe's big mouth. Clap for that, you stupid bastards. He says to our soldiers, clap for that, you stupid bastards. He says to black people, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And he says more than that. But this is what I wanted to get to. Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, he's taking voters for granted. Those of you who are voting for him or thinking about voting for him or going to vote for him, he's taking you absolutely for granted. He's not going out there and earning anybody's vote. He keeps secret the so-called list of Supreme Court nominees he has. He says he's not a socialist, but he's embraced a, a communist manifesto of sorts of 110 pages. He will not subject himself to serious questions by the remaining few journalists that are out there. Joe Biden is taking the American voter for granted. And he thinks he's going to slide into the Oval Office because of the hatred that some people have for Trump. He has no intention of earning this job. None. He thinks it's owed to him. He's been around forever. It's his turn, third time, fourth time. He's not even working for this vote. He's not even campaigning. He's not even trying. And his advisors in the media and out of the media are telling him to keep doing what he's doing. They don't even want to debate. To protect Joe, not to inform you. How does no debate inform you? And yet that's what he's been told. So he's going to show up to this debate, right? And as I told you last night, he's going to memorize five or six lines to throw out there, assuming that Chris Wallace will jump on them in a positive way. That's their assumption. The media will jump on it because they're already uh, pre-positioned to tell you that Joe Biden won and Trump lost. They've already written their stories. It's Friday. They've written their stories about the debate Tuesday night. Trust me on this. But what kind of a candidate doesn't go out there, get among the people? How much longer can he use this coronavirus as an excuse? May I ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen? Did you go outside today among people? Did you, Mr. Producer? Did you, Mr. Call Screener? So did I. You went out there, ladies and gentlemen, the vast majority of you listening to this program, you've been out there, you're working among colleagues, maybe you're salespeople, you're seeing customers, potential uh, customers. Uh, we drove into Washington the other day, they introduced the Secretary of State, the, the, the roads were packed. People are, are going to their offices, people are going to restaurants, people are going to Walmart, people are going to grocery stores, people are shopping, people are eating, people are working. Not enough, I got it. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. But you can't hide behind the virus forever, can you? It's not a legitimate excuse anymore. Donald Trump has demonstrated that. He's going to these airplane hangars. It's safe. 
He's talking to tens of thousands of people. Joe Biden won't do it. He can do exactly what Donald Trump is doing. He won't do it. Now, if you can go to the grocery store where there may be dozens and dozens of people, right? Where you're buying food. I mean, you got to eat. Or you're going to a restaurant where there are dozens and dozens of people. You got to eat. And the people who produce the food and transport the food, they're among other people. So in other words, we have 8.4% unemployment, which means we have 91.6% employment. People are doing something. But Joe Biden has decided, I'm going to get your votes because I'm entitled to them. And I'm, I'm not going to work for them. And I'm going to take you for granted. It doesn't say this, but the smugness, the condescension of thought, the ego is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he thinks he's going to slide in the White House. And you have these new Fox News polls that are way off from the Washington Post polls like two days before. That the president's five points behind in Ohio and basically behind in all the battleground states. I don't accept that. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, the dossier was Russian disinformation. The Democrats, it turns out, the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton, they were all involved with Russia. You know, I don't remember the day, Mr. Producer, and don't go digging for it, but I even suggested that this was an entire disinformation campaign, that the sinister fact was... It was the Democrats who were benefiting from this. It was Putin who was benefiting from this. It made no sense that the Russians would try and help Donald Trump, and they didn't. They desperately want Joe Biden. The communist Chinese desperately want Joe Biden. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran desperately wants Joe Biden. Hamas desperately wants Joe Biden. Iran desperately wants Joe Biden. Antifa and Black Lives Matter desperately want Joe Biden. You know, it's interesting, Mr. Producer. 
even this Klansman, what's his name? Spencer or something or other? Richard Spencer, he wants Joe Biden. I guess the good old days for Joe Biden when he was working with segregationists. I wonder if Chris Wallace will remind him of that. One wonders. But we'll find out. President has been saying, as we have here, that this massive effort by the Democrats and the media and liberal Democrat judges pushing mail-in voting is going to be a disaster. As I've also said here, that's exactly what the Democrats want, a disaster, anarchy. Because they know they have the media to push their narrative. The narrative being, heads they win, tails we lose. So if the president wins on election night, claims victory, they'll say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We got all these mail-in votes. We extended the deadlines. We don't require signatures. We don't require uh, postal marks on them. We don't require the comparing of signatures. We got a whole bunch of crap going on here. And if Joe Biden's in the lead and the president says, wait a minute, I want to check this out too, they'll say, well, he's a dictator. More when I return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Are you kidding me? There's a calendar now on TV, Mr. Producer, with the number of days and the number and the amount of time left till the debate on Tuesday evening. Oh, good Lord. What is the purpose of a judge or a Supreme Court justice? What do they take an oath to do? To uphold the Constitution and the rule of law, correct? To be faithful as judges. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, in the case of a federal judge, whether a federal district judge or a circuit judge or a Supreme Court justice, the final law is the Constitution. So you look at the Constitution. Now, what do you do with the Constitution? You look for gaps in the Constitution or words to twist or you're going to rewrite the Constitution as the Supreme Court said as a constitutional convention where the personal policy preferences of five majority lawyers are imposed on the nation? Well, of course not. Would that be a just court? Would those five justices be faithfully executing their duties? And upholding their oath? No, of course not. These are lifetime appointments. Why are we celebrating Ruth Bader Ginsburg? I'll be the first to ask. I understand that you mourn for her death and have sympathy for her and her family, no question. I understand she has a tremendous personal story. Really does. 
and that she was an extremely lovely lady and a kind lady and best friends with Antonin Scalia, and that she lived a full and substantive life. But as a justice, she did exactly the opposite of what we expect from a judge or a justice. She was an extreme activist. An extreme activist. That is why she's being celebrated by the left and by the media. That is why one reform synagogue in particular with a rabbi rather than having a Rosh Hashanah service which is a high holy day for for Jews crucially important day they had a high Ruth Bader Ginsburg day and they substituted reading her opinions, not reading them, chanting them, for the Haftorah, the Book of Prophets, and so forth. I just learned that from my Chabad rabbi, Cohen, who's terrific. Anyway, she's an iconic figure, we're told. An iconic justice? Why? because of her policy positions that she sought to impose on the nation and wrap the Constitution around them. She was a disastrous example of a justice. Disastrous. Not of a human being. I want to be clear. As a justice. Which is why none of us would ever support the nomination of an individual who has that that kind of bias and improper notion of what the job of a United States Supreme Court justice actually is. And that's why we have a battle today. Now the nominee is going to be somebody who's quite different than Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Amy Coney Barrett. I'm not talking about religion and so forth. Quite different. She takes a different view, as far as we know, of interpreting the Constitution. That is, her personal policy preferences are irrelevant. And this is why the Democrats will try and smear her. Because for them, the fact that she is a faithful Catholic, that she has seven children, including two adopted, that she's able to balance a very, very busy and productive life, as a professor, as a judge, as a brilliant woman who can also be a wonderful mother and a wonderful wife. They don't much like that. They don't much like it. She didn't ask for any affirmative action. She didn't ask for any special privileges. She didn't pretend to be a Native American like Elizabeth Warren. She just works like hell and loves what she does as a mother and as a professional. I married a woman like that. And so, her approach to the Constitution is the approach that is the legitimate approach. I'm not talking about the decision in the end. People can reach different decisions as long as you approach your job an appropriate way, a proper way. 
as I said to you the other day, and it's true, Justice Scalia and Justice Thomas sometimes had different conclusions. And sometimes they even approached the Constitution differently, but they approached the Constitution legitimately. Justice Scalia in the past, Justice Thomas today, they didn't sit there and say, well, here's the end game. This is what I want now. How do I figure this out? But for the left, that's exactly how it works. And so you destroy the entire purpose of a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. You create severe and lasting and grave divisions within the country. So I count me against those who are celebrating Ruth Bader Ginsburg because of her tenure on the court. From my perspective, she was a disaster on the court. Not as a human being, on the court. No. You want to be a senator? Run for the Senate. You want to be a congressman? Run for Congress. You want to be a broadcaster? Be a broadcaster. You want to be a commentator? Be a commentator. Just don't be a judge. You want to be general counsel for the ACLU? Perfectly fine. But you can't bring the same approach to adjudicating matters. It's not fair to the litigants who are involved in the case. And it's not fair to the country. And so we ought not celebrate any judge or justice. We can celebrate their lives, but we ought not celebrate what they did on a court or the Supreme Court when what they've done is turn adjudicating on its head. On its head. And that's why, as I pointed out yesterday, Quinn Hillier's piece... In the Washington Examiner, they're going to try and destroy Amy Coney Barrett. And this may well backfire. By the way, there's no, there was no secret. It's not breaking news that, or source that Amy Coney Barrett will be the uh, nominee. I actually knew this the other day. I just kept my mouth shut. But Quinn Hillier points out that this patriotic millionaires group, because of course the leftists are of the ideology of the people, don't you know? Uh, That they're going to do everything they can to, quote, make this an unbelievably painful process for Senate Republicans, kicking the F out of Democratic senators who won't fight hard enough. And so these are the elements, these are the organizations, whether it's Black Lives Matter or Antifa, violent, rioting organizations, Marxist organizations, Organizations like Patriotic Millionaires, these are the parties that actually are the power behind the Democrat Party. They're not for working class people, blue collar people, union people, they're for controlling all those people. And Harry Reid's uh, former deputy chief of staff is one of the Svengali's organizing the entire thing. So they're going to try and make it extremely painful For Republicans that have difficult races, they're going to try and keep them in Washington so they can't get back and campaign in their states and on and on and on. Because, again, as I just described, for these people, it is about ideology and politics, not 
trying to honestly interpret the Constitution. They have no respect for the Constitution, no respect for the men who drafted it, adopted it, and then later the men who ratified it. No respect whatsoever. So they're not going to have respect for individuals who testify, who say, I'm going to uphold the Constitution. They got to go. The entire progressive mindset. There's books and books and books on this. And if you really want to get to the bottom of it, read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. I'm not hawking it. Those of you who have it, there's many of you who do. Just open it. The courts, the courts are the source of power. Why do you think they're in the courts in Pennsylvania to change the election laws and have? Why do you think they're in the courts in Michigan and Wisconsin? In North Carolina and Minnesota, they've gone to court where you have these activists who are not going to uphold election laws. They are changing them as I speak to accommodate Biden and the Democrats. Not one decision has been made to uphold the existing election statutes in these states. Not one. And when we come back, something interesting has happened with the mail-in voting. It turns out a lot of the Democrat Party base is so stupid they don't know how to do it. I'll be right back. You know what I hate? Overpaying for something. We're already taxed to death. Then you pile on all the other services holding us hostage to high rates. Home internet, cable, utilities. Then there's your cell phone bill. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They all want to charge you for data you'll never need and so-called perks you'll never use. Thank goodness for Pure Talk USA, because Pure Talk gives you the exact same coverage, same towers, same bars, but costs you half with no contract and no excessive fees. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save $250 off any iPhone including the brand new iPhone SE. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. One of the reasons the Democrats are going into these states to get the, uh, the election laws changed is because they recognize that so much of their base is so stupid that they'll screw up the postal mark, that they won't remember when election day is, uh, they may not sign their ballots. And so they're trying to turn all of that into law, where it actually uh, would be acceptable. Again, because they know their base is filled with ignoramuses. And as they point out at Red State, Nick Arama, Democrats have been pushing mail-in voting for months. Now, of course, many thought that was to do things like increase their ability to ballot harvest and find ballots to make up for any vote differences they might need to make up after the election. But just like with embracing Black Lives Matter and not calling out the riots and finding later they had to pivot because Americans were blaming Democrats, well, they're now making another emergency pivot according to Axios, which is a left-wing site. Democrats pivot 
to promote in-person voting, says Jonathan Swan. Now, they're actually promoting in-person voting. So why the big switch after claiming that everyone was going to die if they'd voted in person? And how do they justify this after screaming about how this could endanger people? Because just like with the riots, they have grievously miscalculated and they realize that this gambit might hurt them more than it would help them. More, Jonathan Swan from Axios, quote, The high disqualification rate for absentee ballots poses a special peril for Democrats. You see, folks, you have a ton of people right now who may never have done mail-in balloting, and now there's all kinds of new rules that people are not used to, and they suddenly realize that while they beat into people's head to vote by mail, many may mess it up, resulting in lost votes, plus the very volume anticipated because of the virus and because Democrats are pushing this, make it more likely some ballots will be lost, delayed, or have issues in validating them. We have a fresh Pennsylvania State Supreme Court ruling that could impact tens of thousands of ballots in that swing state. Even though they're trying to win it for Biden, it could be confusing. Florida voters are twice as likely to have their absentee ballot rejected if they've never voted that way before, says University of Florida political science professor Dan Smith. And they go on in North Carolina, according to 538, black voters' ballots are being rejected at more than four times the rate of white voters' ballots. Must be racist mail-in voting, which of course means the Democrats are racist since they're pushing it. Overall data shows new, younger, black, Hispanic voters are more likely to have their ballots rejected. More than 550,000 mail-in ballots were rejected during the presidential primaries this year, according to the NPR analysis. So who's going, who is that going to impact more? Well, Democrats, since more will be voting by mail, with Republicans voting more in person. And we've been telling them. People could vote in person for months, that even the experts said it was safe. But Democrats, oh, they thought they had this all set. They preferred conspiracy theories, you see. Now they're finally getting the massive chaos this is all going to cause. No one to blame but themselves. No one to blame but themselves. And they're worried. In Pennsylvania, for instance, are worried that 100,000 votes coming out of the Philadelphia area may not be counted, Mr. Producer. 100,000. Even though the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania has tried to set this up for Biden. And there's more. From the Daily Wire, U.S. Postal Service has reportedly launched an investigation after mail, including absentee ballots, were discovered this week along a road in the swing state of Wisconsin. The report said the U.S. Postal Service would not disclose the specific location where the ballots were discovered or how many were found. Imagine how many stories we're going to hear like this. And the news comes after federal law enforcement officials discovered that some military ballots had been discarded in the swing state of Pennsylvania. And that out of all the discarded ballots that had been opened, every single one of them voted for Donald Trump. Imagine that. Wow. Wow. On Thursday, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced more than 100 felony charges in an illegal ballot harvesting scheme in a Democrat primary. And again, 
fear by the Democrats in Pennsylvania that 100,000 potentially ballots out of the Philadelphia area may not be counted because of the failure to actually vote properly in mail-in voting. But of course, they'll have the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania to try and save them, which is exactly why I will continue to harp on this. The Republican legislature in Pennsylvania, in North Carolina, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, all Republican, you're in charge. Not any judge, state or federal, not any Supreme Court, state or federal. Article 2, you're in charge. Step up. Enforce the federal constitution. How, Mark? By stating unequivocally in either a binding resolution or passing a law that does not require the governor's signature, just make it abundantly clear that the statute as is, or statutes related to uh, voting and election laws in your state, are what's to be followed on election day. Period. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Notice how you come across somebody once in a while that you shouldn't have messed with? That's Mark. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. I have a question for every former and current athlete in the NBA and NFL or who serve in ESPN or some Fox Sports or whatever. I have a question. Who exactly would you charge with murder in the case of Breonna Taylor? Who? Who would you charge with murder? I want to know who you would charge. I want you, and feel free to call into this program, any of you. Which officer would you charge? With murder. Now we have mobsters in the street in Louisville, Kentucky, who are saying justice for Brianna. And I want to know who you would charge with homicide. You're all gutless wonders. You think you are, uh, you are righteous when you're not. 
You're fanning the flames. You know exactly what you're doing. But you feel good, right? Makes you feel good, right? Which officer would you charge with homicide? Murder. It's time to put some teeth into this. I'm prepared to debate and discuss this with any one of you. Any of you. This guy, Crump, is a uh, demagogue of the First Order. He just picks out every case in which a, uh, a black person has been killed. He ties them all together as if there aren't factual situations, each one different from the next. Builds a conspiracy theory and then argues systemic racism in the justice system has failed us. LeBron James does exactly the same thing, and I point him out because he is the biggest super of superstars. The reason why the officers haven't been charged with homicide is because they didn't commit homicide. Under any circumstances. Period. So should we send them to the gas chamber? The electric chair? What should we do with these officers? Put them in jail the rest of their lives to satisfy the mob? You know, one day, one of these cultural iconic figures might be at the wrong end of this kind of a justice stick. Might be. The President of the United States today gave a magnificent speech in Atlanta. And he is proposing a $500 billion Black America plan to strengthen education, strengthen economic conditions, specifically for the black community, create more opportunities. He also is designating the KKK and Antifa as terrorist organizations. Do you realize the Klan has never been designated by the federal government as a terrorist organization? Fox News, President Trump's plan for black America designates the Klan and Antifa as terrorist organizations. Calls for making lynching a national hate crime. That's what I meant. Lynching a national hate crime while pledging to increase access to capital in black communities by nearly half a trillion dollars, Fox News has learned. And the president is calling it the Platinum Plan for the black community. Platinum Plan, which details opportunity, security, prosperity, and fairness for the black community. For decades, president says... Democrat politicians like Joe Biden have taken black voters for granted. They made you big promises before every election, and then the moment they got to Washington, they abandoned you and sold you out. The Democrats will always take black voters for granted until large numbers of black Americans vote Republican, he said. And so this is a bold vision, he says, that we can and will achieve over the next four years. The president's plan will increase access to capital in black communities by half a trillion dollars, help to create 500,000 new black-owned businesses, help to create 3 million new jobs for the black community. 
president is also expected to commit to working on a second step act and provide access to better jobs and training opportunities for those in black communities. The Platinum Plan pledges to give black churches the ability to compete for federal resources for their communities, bring better and tailored health care to address what the campaign called historic disparities, and advance home ownership opportunities and enhance financial literacy in black communities. As for educational opportunities, the president is vowing in federal and state and local partnerships to close failing schools and to replace them with full school, cho- school choice and education opportunity. I, this is absolutely fantastic. Well, Mark, why didn't he do it in his first four years? You can't do everything in your first four years. Ask Joe Biden. He hasn't done anything in 47 years. Oh, yeah, I'm wrong about that. He coddled up to these segregationists during busing. This is a real agenda, ladies and gentlemen. This is a president that actually tries to push to get his promises instituted even when the other party tries to stop him. What's the Joe Biden plan? And again, this president has actually done things specifically for and with the black community. Joe Biden has not. President will increase the amount of Pell Grants and allow for vocational employment and advanced targeted apprenticeship and job training programs. Well, this is something. House President also said today, instead of fighting for public safety for these communities, the Democrats are attacking our police and empowering far-left rioters, looters, and anarchists. He said, we believe in protecting all black lives, including the unborn. And I heard this presidential speech. It was incredible. And he talked about how many little black babies are aborted and destroyed by left-wing groups like Planned Parenthood. And now Joe Biden wants to federally fund it. I hope, despite all the, the obstacles in the media, the media at large and in the black media and in the sports media, I hope this message gets through to millions and millions of African Americans and black Americans generally. What the president said today. It is a vibrant Huge, exciting commitment to the black community. There's not a single liberal Democrat in Congress, and certainly not Joe Biden, who has proposed anything like it. Absolutely, really, uh, outstanding. There is an article from yesterday in the New York Slimes, uh, written by Tiffany H.S.U. Sue. I have no idea who she is. I'm sure she's a highly credentialed scientific and medical expert, Mr. Producer. Maybe also a mathematician, a statistical expert. No, just another slob working for the New York Slimes. The title is, Right-Wing Media Stars Mislead on COVID-19 Death Toll. So it's not, it's aimed at me. 
And I'm a right winger, don't you know? Not a conservative, not a constitutionalist. I'm a right winger. When the coronavirus death toll in the United States passed 200,000 on Tuesday, matching projections made by White House experts this spring, many on the right-wing media personalities who had mocked the estimates as overblown were quiet. The death toll tracked by Johns Hopkins University in a New York Times database is most likely an undercount, many public health experts believe. At least 266,000 more people have died in the United States during the pandemic than would have been the case during the typical year. Well, maybe they died from other things because they didn't go to the hospital. But forget it. Facts do not matter to this nitwit. Let's go on. Mark Levin, the host of a syndicated radio show in a Fox News program, declared on Twitter on Wednesday that, quote, the U.S. did not surpass 200,000 COVID-19 deaths. As evidence, he cited data for the, from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, showing that 94% of the reported deaths involved underlying health problems, and that 6% of the people who died had no illness or medical condition other than COVID-19. Now, where did Tiffany Sue find this? Media Matters. Media Matters pushes this stuff out. She didn't look at my social sites. She had no clue. But she looked at Media Matters. Media Matters is a Soros left-wing group. It's a 501c3. It's supposed to be nonpartisan. I don't know how it retains that role. I don't know how they, they get tax deductions and everything. But one day we'll have an honest internal revenue service that will deal with it. And it's run by a bigot, a guy who's made comments in the past that are absolutely disgusting. Mark Levin was one of several popular radio hosts who have used the CDC statistic to make a case that the pandemic death toll was inflated. Now listen to this. A false claim that was also promoted by a supporter of the QAnon conspiracy theory. I have no idea what the hell QAnon is. I have nothing to do with it. But she has to throw it in there, you see, to try and denigrate me. And amplified by President Trump in a post that Twitter removed last month. Twitter. Removed it? A fact? Now this is what she relies on. Health experts have repeatedly debunked the interpretation of that data. Earlier this month, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he of, you don't need to wear a mask, and this isn't really anything much worse than a flu, that guy. The country's leading infectious disease expert tried to clear up any misconceptions during an appearance on Good Morning America. Now keep in mind, this is a CDC report not a report from his office, and the CDC looked at actual death certificates. Anthony Fauci looked at nothing. Doesn't matter. Quote, the point that the CDC was trying to make was that a certain percentage of them had nothing else but just COVID, Fauci said. That does not mean that someone who has hypertension or diabetes who dies of COVID didn't die of COVID-19. They did. And then they cite the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control. As they're trying to look for, those are the two great sources. Now I want you to think about what, what Fauci said as a matter of rationality and logic. The CDC puts out this information. They even list the comorbidities that have contributed to deaths, if not are the leading cause of deaths in many of these cases. So Fauci says, Fauci says, that all of them died as a result of COVID-19. Every single one of them. Now that's a lie. That can't possibly be true. 
It can't possibly be true. It may have been a contributing factor or they had the virus. So he says that doesn't mean that someone who has hypertension or diabetes who dies of COVID-19 didn't die of COVID-19. They did. No, maybe they died of diabetes or a heart attack or some other comorbidity. Which is obviously the only rational conclusion you can draw. But media matters. And the New York Times and the rest of the media, that 200,000 number is a milestone, quote-unquote, for them. They don't give a damn about any one of these people because they're not attacking Cuomo or Murphy or Pritzker or Newsom or Whitmer for shoving corona-positive virus patients into nursing homes and into assisted living homes. That number they know resonates. And it's Trump's fault. He killed every one of these people personally, don't you know? But they're lying about the interpretation of the data, and Fauci is way, way off. I'll be right back. You know what I hate? Overpaying for something. We're already taxed to death. Then you pile on all the other services holding us hostage to high rates. Home internet, cable, utilities... Then there's your cell phone bill, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They all want to charge you for data you'll never need and so-called perks you'll never use. Thank goodness for Pure Talk USA, because Pure Talk gives you the exact same coverage, same towers, same bars, but costs you half with no contract and no excessive fees. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save $250 off any iPhone, including the brand new iPhone SE. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast. Challenge the New York Times. What was the main cause of every one of those 200,000 deaths? Has the New York Times looked at the death certificates? The CDC did. What's the main cause? They have no idea. None. But every single death is a result of the coronavirus. We've had this discussion before. We had it months ago. And Fauci was all over the map. And they say he's the most important expert we have in the country. Fauci will not talk to, uh, to Dr. Risch over at uh, Yale. There's so many experts at Stanford, at Oxford. Dr. Fauci wants nothing to do with them. And neither do the New York Times or the other media outlets, period. None of them. I want you to listen to this. You're not going to be able to understand it very well. And I will tell you what Joe Biden says. We now have the full audio. Joe Biden, March 7, 2016, Aldarfar Air Base, and he's talking to our military personnel. Go ahead. I have incredibly good judgment. One, I married Jill. And two, I appointed Johnson to the Academy. I just want you to know that. Clap for that. Then he goes on. So he calls 
those soldiers, stupid bastards. And then he says, you must be a dull bunch. You must be slow here, man. And he'll get a pass for all this. He'll get a pass. Because that's the nature of Joe Biden. He won't be around to answer a question about it. That much we know as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you see what's going on in your country? You should have some hope, though. The Democrat base is so stupid, it appears that they're not sure how to do the mail-in vote. Problem is, we have federal and state judges who want to help them along. Oh, you don't have to sign a thing. And the signature doesn't have to be the same as the other one. You don't have to postmark it, for God's sakes. You don't have to get it in until two weeks after the election. So, in other words, they're changing the laws to assist the stupid. That is Joe Biden's supporters in mail-in voting. All right, I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We have with us now the lead superb counsel for the Mike Flynn uh, political prisoner case in many ways. I think he's a political prisoner the way that uh, he's been treated by the Obama-Biden administration, the FBI, the way he's been treated by um, uh, the uh, the courts. I mean, he's the closest thing to a political prisoner we have. Sidney Powell, how are you? I'm great, Mark. Thank you. And he is a political prisoner. It's an absolute outrage. And every day we get more evidence that shows that. I tried to do the best I could in the first hour to summarize what's taking place, but I know you can do a better job, as his lawyer for sure. Tell us what, what we found out, what you found out recently. Well, just in the last 24 hours, the government has produced a number of documents, including additional struck page text messages we'd never seen before, additional communications between other people at the FBI that shows that they knew the entire investigation was a pretext. They were even using national security letters like they would use subpoenas, but national security letters don't have to be approved by a judge or anything. They can just send those out to get whatever information they want about somebody. And they use So, so let me to... just tell the public, the, the thinking on the national security letters is this, that the moment is so um, uh, quick, that the, that the information is so desperately needed that in very rare instances you can use these national security letters and bypass the courts. Right? Right. And then you're telling us they did this repeatedly. They did this repeatedly as to General Flynn, but the irony is that they knew and they're 
communications reveal now that they didn't even t- intend to get the results of those. They were doing it just to keep the investigation open for obvious political purposes. They talk about briefing Obama on it all on uh, January 5th. They talk about it being an absolute nightmare. They talk about being so concerned about sensitivity and leaks that they probably shouldn't send the national security letters that they don't really intend to use, that they've been discussing that since August. Uh, they, they just go on and on about any number of issues that make it clear they had no basis to investigate General Flynn at all that the directions were coming from top down on doing everything they were doing, and good agents were questioning every bit of it. In fact, they knew it was so bad that they all went and purchased professional liability insurance because they knew it would get pretty ugly, and if the things got FOIA'd or requested under the Freedom of Information Act, that the heads were going to roll. You know, it's one of the things amazing to me, Sidney Powell, is how... Um, Barack Obama hasn't been questioned about any of this. He's sitting, you know, our president, he's our president too, but our our president today, uh, you know, he had to respond to questions in writing, and they didn't even have predicates for that investigation. Um, Here we have uh, Obama and Biden in that January 5th meeting in the Oval Office. We have some notes from that, thanks to you uh, pressing the case and the Attorney General releasing them. So they have some at least initial fingerprints on this stuff. And, uh, and, and, and Obama has never had to ask, answer any questions, even from the press. The press has utter disinterest in this. I can assure you the moderator on Tuesday will not ask Biden about any of this. Uh, he'll just think it, you know, they'll just think it's some kind of right-wing, uh, we're chasing our tails. And, and then you're in front of a court, and I don't want to get you in trouble, you're in front of a court that, where the judge has already made clear his opinion. Uh, you went all the way to the circuit and they shot you down. This has to be very dispiriting. Well, I know we're right on the law and the facts. We've gotten more of the truth out by the day. That is one of my goals. And the other of my goals is to have the judges that are not doing their jobs properly expose themselves. And that has certainly happened. The law in a case could not be more clear than this one is. We were entitled to that writ of mandamus by all existing precedent. And the separation of powers principles, as you well know, foreclose the judiciary from doing anything other than granting the motion to dismiss the government filed. And not only did it have originally 80 pages of extraordinary exculpatory evidence showing that General Flynn was innocent and there was a baseless investigation and prosecution of him, we've got 50-some more pages now, and I think there's still more to come. And frankly, you know, if Judge Sullivan had gone ahead and dismissed it like he should have or even done so today, that we wouldn't be entitled to any additional evidence. But as long as this case is open, the government has a continuing obligation to produce Brady material to us. I would rather have my client simply exonerated now, but it's an ill wind that blows no good. So as long as it's open, the government has an obligation to continue to produce evidence to us as they find it. Brady material, that is material that... that um uh, is about uh, these various public officials and their conduct, and in this case, their uh, misconduct. Why is it taking the government so long because to find these documents? Because done nothing to clean up the FBI. He, he's the worst, isn't he? I mean, I he's, he's a disaster. I am absolutely livid. Yeah. I am absolutely livid. Christopher Ray should have been fired yesterday. 
Well, the president can't fire him yesterday. That would have been an issue. But he can fire him afterwards. He can certainly fire him today. No, no, but I wouldn't recommend that the, you and I have a strong disagreement here. You want him to lose the presidency? No, I want him to win the presidency. Right, so he can't, he can't create a controversy on the side while he's trying to defeat because the media will pummel the hell out of him. I have no problem I, with the president firing Christopher Wray, uh, should he win, uh, or not, after November 3rd. But today, no. Well, they're going to pommel the hell out of him no matter what. But we need somebody in the FBI right now that is going to cooperate with getting the rest of this evidence out, that is going to deal properly and investigate Antifa and BLM, that is going to handle voter fraud issues appropriately. Okay, yeah, we, I, we don't disagree on that at all. Yeah. What, what, and you, Ray is you, doing uh, none of that. There's, it's a whole different political situation. As a matter of fact, as we've discussed time. here, the problem is now that DHS is having to do it because Christopher Ray's not. That is and the Department of Homeland Security. What is it? That's, a, that's completely unacceptable. We need an FBI director who is doing a, the job. Well, I don't and disagree Ray, with you. Ray is a problem. Have you ever dealt with Ray directly, talked to him directly? Uh, no, but I know he was Andrew Weissman's supervisor and got Andrew Weissman the Attorney General's Award of Excellence for all his devastating misconduct in the Enron prosecutions and the R- Arthur Anderson case. And he was a friend of Comey and Mueller's and was going to jump ship at DOJ. When so they who did. recommended him? Up, Rod Rosenstein. So why would the White House go along with that? I wish I knew. If I had known anybody then, I would have tried to tell them to do differently, but... I didn't have that opportunity. Do you expect more documents to come out anytime soon? I do. I think we're going to continue to get documents until the case is dismissed with prejudice, as it should have been May 8th. And when is the next hearing date? Tuesday at 11 o'clock. It's this Tuesday? streamed. Yeah, this Tuesday. And what's on the table? The motion to dismiss filed by the government. And the amicus, Mr. Gleason, has been allowed time to argue against it. So what is it that the judge is going to exactly do at this hearing? Just let well, you argue oh. your point that you've already filed repeatedly and made it abundantly clear? Yes. And have the amicus argue his uh, outrageous points impugning the integrity of the attorney general and trying to say why the case should not have been should not be dismissed despite all the extraordinary exculpatory evidence which they literally just ignore in their filings it's as if the Jensen investigation never took place as if none of these documents were ever produced both judge Sullivan and Mr. Gleason have simply ignored the now hundred and some pages of exculpatory evidence that condemn the agents conduct in their own words Will the uh, Justice Department have somebody there? Yes, the Justice Department is going to have a member of the Office of the Solicitor General there and the principal uh, deputy U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia at a minimum. This is such an outrageous and bizarre hearing and case. It's absolutely. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Nope, me either. You have a non party to the case who has standing to do nothing, who's going to argue in front of the judge who appointed him? Yes. Against the government and the defendant. So they're piling on against a criminal defendant. So who does he represent, this, uh, this, this, this Gleason? Who does he represent? 
Well, that's one of the things that the appellate court asked. At least two of the judges on the Court of Appeals asked that and didn't exactly get a satisfactory answer because he's standing in the stead of the government to try to convict a defendant the government has said should never have even been prosecuted. Is this something you'll say out of the box? Like, Your Honor, who does he represent? Yeah, the Court of Appeals has already asked that, but obviously he represents the interest of Judge Sullivan at this point in trying to continue this prosecution by whatever means that he can. But honestly, I'm not telling you how to do this because you're better than I am, but somehow I get on the record, you've appointed this man who apparently is representing you, Your Honor, so shouldn't you at least recuse yourself? I mean, what is is the ethical uh, explanation for this? Well, the Court of Appeals rejected that argument, too, in a decision that is the most result-driven, unsupported... But I still think it would help ever seen. to get him on the record, because, you know, you may wind up in the Supreme Court one day. No? Well, I mean, there's this... no telling what kind of record I might need to make, so stay tuned. Bring popcorn for Tuesday's hearing. Let me ask you about that, and I have to go soon. When you prepare for something like this, which could be the wild, wild west... The night before, in the morning you're going in there, what are you thinking to yourself? Well, I just know what's right. I know what the law is. I know what the facts are, and I deal with whatever comes up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I don't even understand all these ethical conflicts. The judge appoints oh. somebody who's going to argue in front of the judge who appointed him. Yes, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's unprecedented to have that happen against a criminal defendant. I mean, there are a few cases where district courts have appointed amicus to argue a particular legal issue to assist a defendant. But there's no case that allows an amicus at a district court level in a criminal case to step in the shoes of the government to argue against dismissal of a case. And and, and I want the people to understand, judges have clerks, correct? Yes. So if they need to do research, they rely – what's that? He has his own lawyers that work for him to research yeah. and write whatever he wants researched and written. Right. So you really don't need to go outside the courthouse, do you? No, he doesn't. But apparently he read an op-ed and he was very, he found it very persuasive. Oh, yes. He read the op-ed by Mr. Gleason himself and hired him from the opinion page of the Washington Post. Has the judge ever admonished you for statements you make? No. And he better not. Uh, that's just my opinion. So he can't he can't squelch the lawyer from talking. You know, we've seen these cases in the District of Columbia where they, they shut up Manafort, they shut up Stone. These men can't even speak for themselves. Yes, that's been a real problem, too. All right, Sidney Powell. We problem in this case. Keep us surprised, okay? I will do that. Stay tuned, and like I said, bring your popcorn for Tuesday morning at 11. All right, God bless, and good luck to the general. You take care. Thank you. All right. She is tremendous. My only disagreement there is, can you imagine, can you imagine, Mr. Producer, the president fired the FBI director today? That would be the entire talk. And, and, why, and why create that scenario when you can do it after the election? Which I think you should, by the way. This Christopher Ray is a disaster. Absolute disaster. He should be out front there talking about BLM, talking about Antifa. Uh, He should be having press conferences uh, trying to assure the American people that the FBI is on the job, that we're tracking down funding sources, that we will not tolerate this sort of thing, that we have jurisdiction because of interstate commerce and 
uh, interstate trafficking of, uh, of, uh, of uh, weapons that are used during riots, uh, 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 electronic uh, mail, for, uh, electronic. For, I mean, there's uh, Rico. We mentioned Rico the other day. My wife had mentioned it to me, so I repeated what she said and told you about it a few weeks ago. There's so much that the FBI could do. Maybe they're doing some of it, but it seems to me they have an obligation to at least let us take a peek. Not in terms of the substance of the investigations. What is it? Oh, yes, 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 Mr. Producer. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. XM Satellite, Mike, in the Republic of Texas. Go right ahead, sir. Mark, I'm afraid I might be disagreeing with you about uh, Christopher Ray. From a political point of view, it might, it might be a little hard on the president to fire him now. But I believe it's the very best. He's a never-Trumper. and I, I, I don't think you understand. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? You said you thought it would be too much for the president. I said fire him after the election. Yeah, I do. Do you want to win this election or not? Do you want this to be the big issue? Do you want this to be the big issue? Headlines all over the place? Well, half the country doesn't know what the hell's going on? You think that's smart? I said I would defer to you on that. Well, you said you disagree with me, and I'm trying to, and I'm trying to explain all these knee-jerk. Yeah, let's get it. I'm trying to explain to you. I agree, he's a disaster. I said this last week, as a matter of fact. But you don't fire the guy 38 days before a general election, create distractions for the Democrats, create distractions for the media, like Pickett's charge. You're right, right into them. It can wait three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever it is. Thank you for your call. I can't believe I'm hearing this now. I can't believe I hear it. It's so stupid, it's hard to believe. I trust the president. He's very smart. Very, very smart. They have the internals. They know what's going on. I actually think he's turning the corner. He's turning the corner on the virus. He's turning the corner on, uh, on so many of this, on the economy. And then all of a sudden, he's out there on health care. He's out there, all the things he wants to do in the black. All of a sudden, we're going to, oh, look at that. He fired the FBI. Oh, my God. 
Now, Mr. Producer, you don't always agree with me. Am I right or wrong on this? It'd be unbelievably stupid. I don't even want to discuss it anymore. We only have so much airtime before this election. And we got to win it. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Madison Cawthorn is uh, running for in uh, uh, the uh, Congress from the uh, North Carolina 11th District. He uh, he beat the establishment candidate there. Uh, I've met him. He is a terrific young man, incredibly sharp and wise. Uh, he had a horrific accident uh, that left him paralyzed uh, from the waist down. And you know what? A lot weaker people couldn't couldn't come up from that. I just know this. A lot of weaker people would just give it up. But he's out there. He loves his country, wants to help save this country. How are you, Madison? Mr. Levine, it is such an honor to be on your show. I've listened to it for so long, so it's a, it really is it's surreal to be getting to talk to you. I, I'm doing well, but we're pulling 18-hour days every day for the last, I would say, probably months, just making sure that it, it, our, our opponents still won't outspend us and definitely will not outwork us. So we're working as hard as we can. And your district's not as Republican as it used to be in terms of registration, correct? No, Mark, I'll tell you. I, honestly, I, I, I'll tell all of you, you should be praying for my fiancé. Uh, so I got engaged, and then three days later, uh, Mark Meadows announced that he was not going to be running for re-election. And so that obviously changed her whole life plan already right there. But I told her, honey, it's an R plus 14 district, meaning we should win by 64% if we really don't do anything. And it's only an eight-week primary. This will be really fast. We'll get in, we'll get out, and then we'll have an easy easy, uh, easy election. Uh, but then two weeks later, court-ordered redistricting from a liberal judge and from the Obama era, uh, I made this, instead of being an R plus 14, only an R plus 2. So he's very... Very competitive district. Amazing the power these judges have, isn't it? Uh, even in the mail-in vote in your state, they're affecting the mail-in vote in many battleground states. They're affecting, uh, and it's never for Republicans. It's always against Republicans. Tell us what the major issues are in your district and the major towns in your district. Well, you know, I'll tell you, uh, the, the, it's funny we say the, the power these judges have, but in reality, they don't even actually have this power. You know, it's, it's supposed That's to be right. held within the legislature, but we just need people with backbone and principle in Congress to actually hold them to it. Uh, but where I live, I live near the main city is Asheville, North Carolina. 
Uh, so mm-hmm. I have the 17 westernmost counties in North Carolina, so a very mountainous region. The Blue Ridge Mountains, if any of you have ever been here. Uh, we got the Appalachian Trail. It's an incredible place to be from. Uh, I'm from Hendersonville, just uh, about 15 minutes south of the main city. And uh, it is a, it's an incredible place. But the main issues that we're facing, one is that in a lot of our more rural areas in these mountains to the far west of, this, of the state, uh, there is a problem getting uh, broadband access. So one is going to be that high-tech infrastructure. And then two, obviously, everyone's talking about health care. Uh, and then also in our district, surprisingly, uh, you know, it, this has become a very personal battle. You know, when, when Democrats don't have any policy standpoints they can stand on, they just go for personal assassination. So that's actually been a, a, a major role, which I think is really just, it, it's sad that that's what our election process has come down to. So you're being attacked personally? Yes, you know, one day I woke up and they said I was a Nazi. The next day I was some kind of some kind of predator. The next day I participated in tax fraud. And uh, you know, these uh, they they've used all their bullets and none of them stuck. Uh, just because, really, I got to put it to the people of Western North Carolina, they're very shrewd and uh, individualistic. You know, they like to think for themselves. So none of it really stuck. But also, surprisingly, uh, Anderson Cooper on CNN came to my defense, which was a shock to everybody. And how did he do that? Uh, he had someone from the Anti-Defamation League onto his show who really just kind of laid out uh, point by point how it's very clear that I'm not some white supremacist or Nazi sympathizer, uh, and then just continue to go on. And then Anderson really just he, he threw, his, he threw his papers down and said, I mean, the, I, I just don't see it. I don't see how this, this young man, this <coughs> inspirational young man is being attacked. And I uh, talk about wanting to get out of your wheelchair to do a backflip. Yeah, yeah. Tell everybody about your accident, by the way. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's obviously not something I love talking about, but you know, no. it, it's a very personal part of my story. Um, I was 18 years old. I was, I was going on a road trip with one of my best friends, and uh, I had just been nominated by Congressman Meadows to the Naval Academy. I had a full-ride scholarship at NC State. You know, I, I, everything that I could have ever wanted was in front of me. All my goals had been achieved. And so on this road trip, I'm taking a nap in the passenger seat. Um, and then Mark, you know, for, for whatever reason, my, my friend just thought it would be better as a group activity, I guess. And he fell asleep behind the wheel. And we tragically ran into a concrete barricade in a construction zone um, as he was asleep. And then I woke up a few months later in a hospital. And it changed my life forever. It really did. A few months later. So you're lucky to be alive. You know what? Uh, yes, I am. It is an absolute miracle to this day. Doctors obviously say that they uh, they don't know why I'm alive, but you know I know why I'm alive. I have a very strong relationship with my personal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, a lot of people prayed for me, really got me through that. And you know, Mr. Levin, as I'm sure you, you and I have talked about uh, when I got to spend a weekend with you, um, how that really developed a lot of perseverance and grit and strength just deep within me, just because everything was taken away from me, and I really had to claw my way back. Uh, but you know, something that was surprising is it also developed a, um, a a sense of empathy deep within me, and that was a um, that was something that I think has made me very attractive to not only the uh, the old guard Republicans who really enjoy the fact that I'm so young, but yet have extremely conservative values, uh, but also it's helped me to um, really connect with this younger generation who seems to be led more by feelings than by facts. And so it's really a uh, it, it, it's been an incredible advantage that I got was able to learn that. Now you're running against a candidate. Who is this candidate, and what's the candidate's background? 
So uh, his name's Mo Davis. He is a he's an ex Guantanamo Bay prosecutor. So, um, but he became got, kind of got a bit of a national profile uh, many years ago under the Bush administration when he famously left Guantanamo Bay because he disagreed with waterboarding. And really, it seems as if he uh, he, he, he believes in peace through good manners. He didn't think waterboarding was enough. What he want to use the uh, pliers process? Uh, pull you people's know teeth and nails out. Uh, no, so he, <laughs> you know, he, he just wanted us to give them a pack of cigarettes rather than actually yeah. uh, interrogate them. But, you know, when we're dealing with people who are planning terrorist attacks against the United States of America, you know, as that famous uh, Master Sergeant said when he was receiving his Medal of Honor, if you want war with the United States of America, I can promise you one thing. Somebody else will be raising your son, sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, does he have more money? Or less money, or what's the situation there? Well, you know what? During the last uh, filing report in the last quarter, um, during the last quarter, we really were able to see that we were out fundraising and by a lot. You know, I got to speak at the Republican National Convention, which went really well, and that was a um, that was something that was gave me a big national profile and allowed me to raise a lot of money, but also. Uh, it was. We also realized that it gave him a national profile, but and so we, he was doing okay with fundraising. We were beating him until the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we wish uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's family all, all the best. That's a you know she she dedicated her life to the service of this country. And although our ideals are completely opposite, I do appreciate people who serve our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'll tell you, after that, as I'm sure you saw, Act Blue the. The, the online presence of the, the DCCC, the Democratic Party, they raised $80 million in a single day for congressional candidates and senatorial candidates. So uh, my opponent, and since he's listed as a battleground state because of the new redistricting, he got a lot of that money. Kind of odd when you think about it, since uh, the House has almost nothing to do with this selection. It has nothing to do with the selection of a Supreme Court justice. If people well, want to no help, yeah, go ahead. No one's ever accused the Democrats of being really uh, forward-thinking. <laughs> now, Madison, if people want to help you, where do they go? Well, Mr. Wilson, uh, thank you for asking. You go to my website, which is madisoncawthorn.com. And, yes, I know that I've got a girl's name as my first name, but my dad had a, uh, a boy named Sue Flossie. So you just go to madisoncawthorn.com. Uh, if you're if you're still not sure if you you like my candidacy, I encourage you to go watch my RNC speech. You can just Google that. But you go to MadisonCawthorn.com. If you're near Western North Carolina, uh, we have the most robust and and elite ground game in the country right now. And so we'd love for you to be able to volunteer. But if not, if you can just chip in five dollars or a hundred dollars, it would really help us be able to defeat this liberal ideology. It's Madison M A D I S O N Cawthorn C A W T H O R N dot com MadisonCawthorn.com. I've met Madison. He's enormously impressive. He'd be a great member of the House of Representatives. This is a close seat. We can get this seat. Madison Cawthorn, C-A-W-T-H-O-R-N.com. We'll have it up on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Parlor. If your opponent wishes to come on, most of them won't, uh, then we're more than happy to have him. Good luck to you. Mr. Levin, thank you so much, sir. It's an honor. It's an honor. You can call me Mark. You take care of yourself. He is so impressive, ladies and gentlemen. So impressive. I mean, as a young man, I mean, he he suffered. 
And then now look at him. I look at our guys. I look at Crenshaw in Texas. I've never talked to him, never met him. But again, a gentleman who is uh, really terrific. These are terrific, terrific candidates. Mr. Producer, open your microphone for a second. We're a little bit under attack, aren't we, on our social sites? We have people reporting us to Facebook and Twitter uh, when they simply disagree with us, don't they? Correct. We get tons of Twitter reports and a lot of spam on Facebook. We're getting a lot of spam. We're getting tons of Twitter reports. When I challenge, uh, when I, when I challenge the Democrats on the mail-in voting and question it, we're getting a lot of slams from Twitter. Uh, the hydroxychloroquine, even though I bring some of the greatest experts in the country on, although Ms. Shu over there at the New York Times misses them, uh, we get slammed. I'm not going to... They're trying what is to it? ban you. They're trying to ban you. We have people seeking to ban me. They haven't succeeded so far. And let me tell you something. Any effort to do so, I think, would be a disaster for them. But I'm not going to bring them all to you. I don't talk about it. Just, just so you know, we are under attack. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Here's the latest. More than 1,000 Virginia voters, I think this is in Fairfax County, Virginia, who applied for absentee ballots, received an extra one. They got two. But don't worry. Christopher Ray says mail-in voting is not a problem. I meant to mention this a few times. Do not miss my interview, please, with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. It's a full hour. It's really quite compelling, as you'll see. Uh, I conducted it at the State Department, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, this Sunday. If you can't watch it live, you can always DVR the show. But it will not disappoint. You wonder why uh, so many of these other people claim not to get along with the President of the United States. Pompeo gets along with the President beautifully, and we talk about that. 8 p.m. this Sunday. Please write it down. Don't miss it. Or DVR it, if you prefer. Every Friday, here we go.
Don't forget, folks, follow me on Twitter, Mark Levin Show Twitter. And don't forget to like me on Facebook, Mark Levin Show Facebook. And follow on Parlor too. Don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't watch a live DVR, please. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey and Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, my little Barney. And ladies and gentlemen, this weekend, make your calls, family, friends, neighbors. Get people registered. Get them to vote. And good night, Dad, Mom, and Leo. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.